0: This is Legacy Battle. Make sure you hit that subscribe button on whatever you're listening on. I'm Michael Ives Craver Legacy Battle. My panelists tonight for the Great Iron Battle Zone, Brian King, Penn State Athletics, Kevin Adams, Ball State Athletics, Paul Havicott, Our special guest tonight, we're joined by a Canadian Olympian who she made her breakthrough in 2018 oh. um, in the bobsled. And she, let's see, she appeared in the World Cup, the World Championships, and and then in 2022, she was named to the Canadian Olympic team where she was the break woman. I know they call them break man, but we're going to we'll call her the break woman tonight and uh, competed in Beijing. So we, we got Olympian Sarah Valaney here. Sarah, thank you for joining thank
1: us. You. No, thank you for inviting me. I'm very excited to be joining you guys.
0: Yeah, it's going to be fun. So since we have a winter Olympian here tonight, we are going to be doing a debate of the greatest winter Olympic performance. As always afterwards, we'll have a QA and a with Sarah about uh, her career and how she got to where she is today. But we're going to start this out with 2022 Olympian,
2: Nathan Chen. Nathan was born uh, May of 1999, figure skater for Team USA. Uh, He is the 2022 Olympic champion. Uh, He began the 2022 uh, Winter Olympics in the men's short program of the Olympic team event. He completed a nice clean skate. He placed first in that segment with a new personal best of 111.71, and that team would go on to win the silver medal. But the big story was two days later, he set an international figure skating world record in men's short program with a score of 113.97, topping the previous record of 111.82. Chen would go on to win the gold medal uh, with a free skate score Of 218.63, which included five quad jumps, one of the hardest jumps to perform. He did five of them in one routine, finishing with a combined score of 332.60. He's the holder of the highest short program score, free skate score, and combined total at the Olympics. His performance was amazing. He's the first Asian-American man to earn the Olympic medal in uh, single skating. Uh, He redefined men's figure skating with that performance. Not only did he win the Olympic gold medal, but he also finished more than 22 points ahead of the next competitor. He elevated himself above the men's field for the past four years. Uh, He will forever be known as the quad king with the Olympic title. He is only only the seventh U.S. man to take the top step of the Olympic podium, expressing his appreciation for the champions who uh, preceded him. He actually thanked Michelle Kwan for being a great role model for him. Yahoo Sports listed as the number one moment of the USA 2022 Olympics. And it's a shame that, it, that it's so recent because I think if more articles were written after this, because there haven't been any really, that this would actually be in the top five easily um, in the history, but unfortunately it's too fresh. So articles haven't been written about it yet.
0: So just to put into perspective, if if you're not real familiar with figure skating scoring, Kevin said that he scored 213 and the prior record was 211. so you think to yourself oh that's only two points that's a, not a lot but that is like the equivalent of winning a baseball game by 10 runs that, that that's what we're talking about here when it comes to figure skating scoring so just think of it like that Sarah so let me come to you 2022 these were the Olympics that you were in you know I'm not sure what you watched and what you didn't watch while you were there but um, uh, a strong American performance here uh, Americans, are usually pretty good at figure skating, uh, especially on the women's side. But, uh, you know, what were your thoughts uh, seeing this and, and hearing about it when you were at the Olympics this past year?
1: Yeah, unfortunately I wasn't able to watch it live or um, be in there like in person, uh, even despite being in Beijing during the time of his, his performance. Um, I'm pretty sure if I'm remembering correctly, the reason I couldn't watch was because I actually had my bobsleigh sliding practices during the same time. Um, so I just couldn't watch it Um, I would get the updates on Twitter and stuff so obviously like it goes without saying it's a phenomenal performance like record setting like it's it's wonderful to see records fall and like that's why they're there they're meant to be broken Um, and yeah like I did afterwards see the performance and I don't know much about figure skating but it was a beautiful lovely performance and you can tell that every single movement is precise like I could tell like where his head was his gaze w- was like pre- precision so it's very fitting that he got the record
0: so Sarah when I was your age figure skaters were doing triple axles now mm-hmm. they're doing quads so when yeah. you're our age what, what's going to be going on in that sport I mean it's just amazing the athletes you guys just get stronger and stronger every year
1: you know what i ask myself that all the time like what is the next bar because like we are always trying to raise the bar and then other people reach it and then we try and raise another bar and then they reach it and you know you start asking yourself like what where is the human limitation um so i wonder that about you know when i'm watching the 100 meter sprinting and another world record falls i'm like how fast can humans run and, you know, we're watching bobsleigh and we're like, you know, Whistler is the fastest track in the world. And, you know, we're reaching speeds of 149 kilometers. And you're like, how fast can we go? Like, let's go faster. So I honestly, I don't, I don't know. I think we're just going to have to hang on and see where, where, what the next bar is going to be.
0: It's going to be incredible. Well, let's, uh, let's move on to a sport we know Sarah is very familiar with. Let's go to bobsled in here. 2010, 20, well, 2006. Paul's going to give us a little 2006
3: and 2010. Well, it's Andre Lange, and he's born 6'28", 73, and he's considered the best uh, of all time. This guy's got more medals than a chain-link fence. He took up bobsledding in 93, and in terms of, in terms of Olympic Games, he won gold for the four-man in 2002, 2006, and silver in 2010, and anyone he won gold in the two-man in 2006 and 2010. So for the 2006 that Mike's referring to, Turin was the host city, and uh, Andre competed in the two events, four-man and two-man, and of the eight runs with his team, he won five, also finishing uh, second twice and fourth once. So for Andre and his partners, and I think he's had the the same pusher since the beginning, uh, Kevin Cusk. That's how you pronounce his name. They were now two-time Olympic champions. The reason why I thought 10 was good too, though, and this is what Sarah might be able to comment on, is 10 just seemed a lot more dangerous. It was in Vancouver, and the track had all kinds of accidents, all kinds of people pulled out. They had a captain's meeting only, and at the end of the the time of all the practices and the course adjustments and things like that. Andre still won silver in 2010 for the four man, but they took gold in the two man. And with these wins, this was his fourth career Olympic gold medal in the two man event. And he surpassed Minard Niemer for the most bobsled Olympic gold medals of all time. So then he ended up retiring after that. So unlike, the other people I'm battling against tonight, I really have two years that could be considered the best. Kevin had a really lame argument for one year completely. This is two years I'm talking about though. So just keep that in mind as you're voting.
2: I followed instructions and just went with the one year that I was supposed to go with.
3: <laughs> I've colored outside the lines, buddy. It's called being creative. <laughs> so Sarah,
0: let, let, let's start with this with the bobsled. What, what kind of difference are we looking at from a two man to a, to a four man? How, how is a, a pilot like, like uh, Andre, how's he adjusting between a two man and a four man?
1: So there, from my understanding as a brake person and just kind of hearing talks of the pilots, um, the four man is different in the sense that you have more weight in the sled. Now you have two extra bodies. So it actually helps with the keeping the sled on the corners a little bit easier and uh, you go faster which is obviously fun. Um, there is a different component with four men where there's more of a team aspect and with pushing there's, it's almost like a, um, beautiful dance that you have to somehow choreograph these four giant, huge men and somehow get them into this bathtub in sync. And, uh, so it's a lot of choreography that I don't know if people realize like how much practice goes into that. Um, but yeah, the two men and the four men, like I, I think the main difference is the team aspect. Um, yeah, but other than that, the driving lines are very similar, but there are, like, a touch differences. Um, but, you know, Andre is a a legend in this sport, and his brakeman, Kevin Kusk, is also, like, a legend. And just, you know, when as soon as you bring up that name or even the German program, it's like, everyone knows that they're they're the top, these are the top people, these are the top guys and women. And so, yeah, like, yeah, they're a legend in the sport and what they've done is phenomenal. And, and let's go
0: back here to a little bit to what Paul said. So what is going to be harder? What is more impressive? Winning a gold and setting a record like he did in 2006 or coming back in 2010 on a track that's much more dangerous than not setting records?
1: Yeah, so Whistler's track. I guess I'll speak on that. Um, so the Vancouver track. It's in Whistler. It's um, the Canadians love it because it's our home track. We know it very well, um, and we know that it's going to be fast and it is dangerous. Um, but that's a part of bobsled. There is a extreme element to it. Um, but yeah, to enter into a course that. Um, Like Keep in mind, um, I'm not sure how they did things back then, but at least for us in 2022 or like recent years, what we do is October, we have a test event where we have a certain number of weeks or days to get on to the, the course. And then you also have the like week, which is maybe three practices before the Olympic competition to learn, to relearn, I guess, the Olympic track that you're about to you know, show what four years of hard work is going to prove. Um, so that's pretty different. Um, but from a figure skating aspect, uh, you are, you're practicing this routine over and over and you have to be clean and precise. And, um, yeah, these are, this Debate is going to be interesting because you also have to be precise and clean in bobsled. Because if you take a tumble, you're, you're not winning that gold, so you,
0: you may not be living afterwards if you take a tumble in that sport.
1: Yeah,
0: well, <laughs> well let's move on to uh well, 2010 again.
4: All right, uh, uh, Queen Yuna. Um, first off, she you know, she starts skating, she's only six years old. Ended up becoming one of the greatest figure skaters in the history of the sport. I mean, at the junior level, four, age fourteen and fifteen, racking up goals, racking up goals from ages sixteen to nineteen. Once she got to the to the world level, and then during the 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 twenty ten Winter Olympics in Vancouver, um, just made history by becoming the first female skater to break the one hundred fifty point mark in the ladies' free skate at, at, at the international competition level. I mean, this was something that was uh, thought to be, you know, maybe going to stand for a long time, that nobody was ever going to break this record, but she was able to do it. Um, and then her combined score, if you take all the uh, events together, of 20, uh, 228.56 points was also a world record. Um, nobody had ever beaten the 220 mark before, and this, uh, this record stood for the next seven years. So her performance, it was absolutely beautiful. Um, figure skating legend, Peggy Fleming, said that Yuna has had a very rare combination of the technical elements of figure skating, along with the grace and the musicality that the fans are longing for. Another legend, Michelle Kwan, we all know her, she remarked on Yuma's amazing jump quality, uh, spin quality and edges. It's very difficult to do what Yuma does and looks so beautiful doing it. And, you know, Queen Yuma, a little trivia, she was the first female um, to ever win in four different the four different events, um, gold. We're talking about the Olympics, the World Championships, the Four Continents, and the Grand Prix Final. So this Olympics in 2010 was like the cap on that amazing... Uh, achievement right there. So, you know, the 2010 Olympics, just unforgettable for, uh, for Queen Yoma.
0: Well, sir, as we know in sports, records are made to be broken. So, Yuna comes in, she breaks the record. That was in 2010, her records have now been broken. As we stated earlier, these athletes are just getting better and better. We never know where it's gonna end, but uh, you know, what are your thoughts on somebody that young coming in, taking the world you know, by, they they didn't, it wasn't overly expected. I mean, everyone knew she was good. I don't think she was the favorite though to win the gold that year, if I'm recalling correctly. But so what are your your thoughts on on that performance? And someone, the figure skaters, they start so young.
1: It's crazy. Yeah, figure skaters do start really, really young, but I think her performance shows like, that she was peaked at the exact right moment. And she was every all those years starting from six years old onwards, like all those years was in preparation for that record setting performance and for that gold medal and all that um, outstanding performances. Uh, So she um, it just shows that it's kind of like coming to this and I'm not sure her reasonings for retiring, but I guess she felt that she had completed what she needed to do as an athlete, and she was moving on to the next stage of life.
0: There's always talk of setting an age limit for the Olympics. I mean, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Um, I think it is important for um like i have a gymnastics background and that's another sport that a lot of kids enter really really young and we've seen it's i think it's slowly starting to get better but there's a high burnout risk and we see that with sports that um start very very young and you get com- like elite level very very competitive at a young age and there's a high burnout rate so i think the idea of the age uh, minimum is to attempt for the longevity of the sport um so I think it is a good idea um I think it's yeah to keep kids and adults in sports I think it is important and to see to have people see it as like more of a career that helps with that so I think it, it is a good idea
0: and I think we saw that more than ever before in in your Olympics with uh what was it Camilla Valieva, Vel- the the Russian skater the 15 year old so I mean, yes. we don't know what kind of psychological damage has been done to her, and we won't know for years, unfortunately. But well, let's move on to our, our final athlete tonight, and that's uh, Eric Hyden. So we are going back to 1980, further than any of these other athletes tonight. Um, Lake Placid here in the United States. Now, this was, because it happened in the United States in 1980, it was a tad bit overshadowed by the U.S. men's hockey team um so his performance was a little overshadowed at that time but i think history has shown that it it how great it actually is but uh, so Haydn goes for five gold medals representing the united states in the men's uh, speed skating 500 1000 1500 5000 and 10000 meter races five golds the odds of winning all five golds in all of those are very slim um, but what made this so great is the fact that in all five races, he he, he set an Olympic record in all five races. And in the 10,000 meter, he also set the world record. So that's six different records that he set in one Olympics. Um, And that world record on the 10,000 meters, he set that by 6.2 seconds. So as we were making that baseball analogy earlier, again, that's like winning by like 10 runs. Um, So, I'll just throw this point out here too about him um Dan jansen American Olympic gold medalist hero here in the United States who's been on this show and he said on this show that um there's nobody even close to what Eric Haydn did in 1980 It would be like Hussein Bolt winning the hundred meters and the ten then the ten k you, you just don't win short and long at the same time um, and it'll never be done again according to Dan Jansen so. Um, Hayden's just a great performance. He's in the hall of fame. Of course, um, Athlon sports and MSN both have him at number one of the greatest winter Olympic performances of all time. So my money is on him tonight, Sarah speed skating. It's, um, it's much bigger up there in Canada than it is down here. And, you know, I know that, um, but you know, can you, Can you even comprehend like how hard it would be to win five medals in one Olympics? You got to be in five events. First off that, that's, that's the start right there.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, I, unfortunately, for some reason chose a sport where you only have one shot, I guess for women now we have two shots, but uh, as long as you're a pilot, you get those two shots. Um, So I, I've said for quite a while now that if I could have maybe switched sports, like, and I had to pick a winter sport, I would choose speed skating. I think. it's, it's a really cool sport, like the long track. It's like, I really, I would want to do that event. Um, but they have a lot of opportunities to get those gold, gold medals, or even just a medal. And it kind of seems like, I really hope I'm not going to offend any speed skaters, but it almost (laughs) seems that once you break that glass ceiling, it's like you are on top and like you, once you reach that threshold, it's, um, you're consistently found in the top, and probably in the medal positions on multiple different events. Um, And we've seen that, like, I've seen that this past year in Beijing, um, where it's like a couple people are getting, like, two, three gold medals. And it's phenomenal. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, as you mentioned, the odds of that are so, so slim. And uh, it's hard for athletes to break it to the Olympics. But then to get on that podium and then to replicate it, like, it's like it speaks for itself that it's just and hence why he's in the hall of fame like it's just yeah that's very very difficult to do
0: well our shout outs tonight to the ones that just missed our top four uh chloe kim 2022 olympics snowboarder the 1984 soviet hockey team you ever get a chance go check out how much they blew out every team by it was insane and uh 1998 ski jumper and and, uh, i might Butcher this first name, but Kazuyoshi Funaki. So, What's your language, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Ski jumper, there. So, all right, let's move into our vote tonight.
3: We are picking the greatest of all time. Paul, who are you taking? Yeah, like my guys, like going 80, 90 miles an hour down a track. You guys got figure skaters doing twirls and stuff like that. I guess, I mean, I don't know. I guess yours Mike I mean but even like Sarah said when you got it you got it in that sport and it's it almost sounded like she was saying it was rigged speed skating <laughs> I just no,
1: kidding.
3: no no <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> that's
0: no
1: that's I'll go. I'll go with get so, so
3: many complaints
1: from speed skaters
3: yeah. now. It is. It is impressive that he did five records for the five events. But that's the thing is, like, like it's like Michael Phelps, man. He was he was the king those few He's years. Best, he just right. had it. So, but right. my my guy had to team up with other people, so it's tougher. Brian, go ahead. I, well, you know when when I look at Chen. I got to see
4: how long that record holds. I mean, that's it's very recent, so that, that's a tough one. Uh, I look at Andre. I mean, I don't even know what year I'm looking at here. Am I looking at 2010? <laughs> Am I looking at 2000? I don't know what's going on. So by default, I got to go with, I mean, six Olympic records and one, you know, in, in a two-week span or something. That's amazing. Got to go with Hyde. That's not true.
3: It's five, I thought. It was five records. Y- yeah, oh, but he also cool.
0: set a world record, so it was six records total.
3: This, yeah. is, I, this is rigged. <laughs> so I I'm, I'm
0: actually I I watched I've seen all these performances and I have never seen a dominating performance like Nathan Chen did at the 2022 Olympics. He absolutely obliterated in that short uh the, the short program. I've never seen anything like that in figure skating history and 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 you know, I know Kevin's a big Scott Hamilton fan. Um, what they're doing now is amazing, but this guy is taking it to the next level. So he has now set the bar. And the bar, I don't know how anyone athletically is ever going to pass unless they're, unless they're Royden or something, uh, a quadruple, but he, he he is amazing. So I'm taking Chen. Kevin?
2: Well, I can't go with Paul's because he broke the rules and discussed I didn't like break the rules. The I expanded. <laughs> and then uh, unfortunately mike's yours yeah yours was it's like a michael phelps story overall full olympic um performance yes he won five gold medals that's amazing yes but individual like single performance what is the single best performance that we're talking about i personally think it's chen but i can't vote for my own so i only lose brian so i'm going with brian's right. Okay. Una. sarah
1: we come to you Man, can I be that person that just says they're all winners in my eyes? <laughs> <laughs> There's no um, participation
0: I think, trophies here.
1: No, no, we, actually, we, hate, we hate participation trophies. That's why we do sports. So <laughs> um, I think it would be too biased of me to pick Andre just because I come from Bobsleigh. Although that is like, he's a legacy in the sport. I can't like. He's definitely, like, I, I got to go with Eric Hyden, like, um, partly, just, partly out of jealousy, honestly. I just, <laughs> I am very jealous that he has five opportunities to win a medal. Like, so I think I'm going to have to pick him.
0: All right, so win for Eric Hyden tonight. Let's move into our q and uh, I got first question, so um, let's see. I have, I have a whole bunch here for you, but <laughs> so let me pick a good one. The bobsled averages eighty-four miles per hour. That's that's what I've discovered here. Uh, I think you that might kinda, have to, we
1: might have to do a quick conversion. Uh, is that one hundred
0: seventeen kilometers? kilometers? I
1: think probably around there. Okay, yeah. so how
0: how does one if you're behind in the race, you know, you know the times? How do you pick up more speed when you're when you're going around those bends? I mean, it, it seems like some teams don't even try to get faster to to place. They just stay the route they're going
1: yeah so the the big obviously the push is a big p- proponent of the sport and now as we've talked about with like other sports like the game is changing like things are constantly getting elevated and it used to be that um from what I hear don't quote me on this I was told this from a ex-pilot from a number of years ago um that it used to be that the poor athletes became pilots like maybe they weren't as fast maybe they weren't as strong so they became pilots and the really really freaky athletes were on the back and they were pushing and now it's become that both the pilot and the brave men or women like they all have to be strong pushers because now it's like that push is so much more important so that plays a big factor um obviously picking the right driving lines and not crashing is very important a crash is not fast that is not the fast line um and then equipment plays a big role in into it um the Germans do have the top equipment um and so that that helps and uh for four men especially aerodynamics is really really important so the guys um will practice aerodynamics and you know some teams are able to get into wind tunnels to test aerodynamics out in the seating positions.
0: We'll go Paul, Brian, Kevin tonight.
3: When I was reading up on you it looks like you started in in track and field and then you converted into flooding. What is there something you can point to that would make you want to leave that and then jump into like what it, is the equivalent of like a bank teller tube and shoot down yeah. the track going? you know, 80 to 90 miles per hour or whatever you want to say in kilometers, (laughs) it seems a little bit nutty to me. Honestly, like if you
1: told me four years ago, hey, you're going to be a bobsledder and you're going to go to the Olympics for it, I would have been like, get out of my face. Like, I'm not doing that. Like, no way. Um, I used to say that bobsled was for crazy people and it's a stupid sport. Um, I could never do that. Uh, But yeah, I was in a situation where um I wasn't I felt pretty lost in track and field and I just like wasn't um sure of which direction to go because I used to do the heptathlon and I loved that but I just I had a lot of injuries and I wasn't it just didn't seem right and so then I switched to throwing but the coaches at the time uh it was very limited to find javelin specific coaches so I wasn't really sure where to go. And then I signed up for the RBC training ground, which is kind of like an NFL combine. That's basically how I describe it. And then I got recruited to bobsled and I tried it. And even though I crashed the first run down, I went home in Ontario and I was like, I'm I'm gonna do bobsled mom. And she's like, oh, great.
4: <laughs> so um, you, you competed for Team Canada in the Olympics in China here just recently. Um, with on the two-woman bobsled team uh, with your partner, Melissa Lotholtz. Uh, so you can, can you tell us what that experience was like? Yeah,
1: from what I was told, uh, since this was my first Olympics, it was a very, very different Olympics um, from other ones. Um, my coach is a 2018 Olympic gold medalist, Alex Popach, and he kept telling me, he's like, Sarah, like, try to keep your nerves calm. Like, don't do too much walking around. Like, don't get too, like, um excited and caught up in the Olympic hype um because he's like we need you to like expend your energy on the bobsled and I was like what is he talking about uh because it felt very very normal uh because of COVID um we weren't allowed spectators uh not even the Chinese citizens were allowed to come so we were in contact with a lot of people that we already knew we were already kind of bubbling with during like the World Cup season so we were with the skeleton athletes, we were with the other bobsledders, and then we were also with Luge and Ski Alpine, which was different. Um, but again, because of COVID, it's like you kind of try to like stick with the people, like with your team. Um, but otherwise, like I think honestly, it was probably a really great experience because I didn't actually get that nervous until the morning of the competition when I realized like, wait, you're about to go compete at the Olympics. Um, so... It was good in that sense, um, but yeah, otherwise, it, it honestly felt like a normal competition. I was there to do my job, and I was there to perform the best of my abilities, and I feel like I did that.
2: So I want to take you to uh, the beginning of a, of a bobsled uh, race, so the push start. So what, what is going on uh, with you guys? Like, what are you guys talking about? What are you doing prepping? Because we all know, you know the push start is pretty much like make or break for the race. Because um, yeah. after that, it's basically gravity and hopefully picking the right line to going down. So what, what are you guys doing mentally preparing for that push start and, and get going?
1: So I'm laughing because I feel like if you asked a four-man guy this question, they would have a very different response. And it would be, oh, there's a lot of grunting and hitting and just yelling. and It's a lot of caffeine, which is still true. But um, yeah, women kind of, we hype ourselves up a little bit differently than the men do. Um, But yeah, it's a lot of, um, so yeah, the the way a pilot versus a brakeman hypes themselves up is a bit different. For a pilot you almost have to be calm like it's like a strange like you have to be hyped up but calm and very controlled because you don't want to be going down the track like this and hoping you're picking the right lines um so you have to be elevated but calm for a brakeman you want to be animalistic you want to push that thing you want to put your head through like through the brick wall um so i Everyone does have their own techniques, but you know, slapping the muscles like definitely helps. But uh, visualization is a big, like a big tool that many many athletes use, and brakemen do it as well. Um, we even visualize breaking. We we do. It's a it's a thing. We we visualize what all the corners might feel like, and then okay, my pie, all right breaks. Uh, we do visualize that. Um, And yeah, so visualization for me, I rely heavily on music. Like I have a set music playlist so that when I do start to feel nervous, I just go like, okay, music into the routine, go. And then, you know, you take your caffeine, you get hyped up, you start feeling the jitters and you're like, all right, it's go time. Okay. And then that's when you kind of, I start pacing actually, but yeah, the men are a little bit more of like, like a show, I guess, so
3: yeah. Was that before every show? We listened to Celine Dion, I think. Is that is that still one you listen to? <laughs>
1: How did you know? That's like the second song on the list.
0: <laughs> so with with an with an Olympic athlete, you spend four years training to get to the pinnacle of the sport, which is the Olympics. And then, if you don't win, then you have to make the decision: Do I want to do another four years of training? So will we see you, Sarah, in Italy in 2026?
1: I plan on being there. Yeah.
0: Excellent. And and just kind of run, run through for me, like, what what kind of training are you doing for four years? I can't imagine it's all on the ice. So what, what do you yeah. do to, to stay in shape and, and to get prepared for a, an event like, like the bobsled?
1: I get this question a lot because obviously you say bobsleigh and like they're like winter sport. How do you train for that in like 30 degree weather that, that, like in the summer, how do you do that? And uh, yeah, so basically we are Olympic weightlifters in the gym and then we are track sprinters on the track. Um, and then if you're fortunate enough, you either can get access to an ice house. Uh, we have one in Calgary, Alberta, and there's also a brand new one in Lake Placid, New York, which I've been in and it is beautiful. Um, and so if you, that's, if you have access to that, you are able to practice the push, um, indoors and then, or you maybe you make like a push cart or something like that. Um, which I also like my coach, we've done that too. Um, so yeah, other than that, it's, you're, you're doing, I guess, grunt work as we call it, um, to prep for the season, um, where you're going to be standing in a negative 20 degree. I'm saying Celsius, but you guys are all in Fahrenheit. But yeah, you're standing in like frigid cold, trying to warm up, putting Tiger Balm and heat cream on you, just going, please, please make out this.
3: Uh, if you have another question, same order, guys. My question would be kind of what you were just talking about like you're doing all this working out but is there a diet involved in this too? I mean do you have have to do you have to eat more or less and if you're if you're eating less to maintain a weight what's a cheat day look like for you? What are you you going to on your on your cheat day?
1: So not a lot of people realize that bobsled is actually a maximum weight sport. Um, So the sled has a minimum and essentially kind of a maximum um but the total is also maxed out so um yeah the again if you spoke to a male bobsledder they would be like oh yeah i gotta eat three plates of food i gotta i don't know i gotta keep packing on weight and uh for the women it's um it can be tricky for a lot of the north american female athletes the weight limit is low and uh a lot of us are pretty tall and just when you're taller you're You're heavier and uh so yeah for me it's like i actually try to keep to like a lot of rice a lot of chicken i do have to eat a lot of protein i have to unfortunately stay away from carbs um because it's just it doesn't match my sport if i was a long distance runner i could eat all the carbs i want um and it also sucks because i have to try and stay away from pasta too just to try and keep it clean um and i'm half italian and it's like i grew up on pasta so it's like it's torture sometimes um but yeah there is a specific diet and we try and eat clean um on competition days I do usually eat candy because uh it's kind of a nice treat and it gets you um like just the sugar is really nice and yeah it's just like a nice treat and so you kind of look forward to that
4: so I so I know um Chris, you know, Christine De Bru- uh, de Christine is sort of like the entrenched um, monobob uh, lady there for Canada but have you ever given any thought to, to trying to monobob yourself
1: so I did in March after the Olympics I went down to Lake Placid, in New York and I tried um, piloting and they put me in a monobob it's like the old school monobob's not the one that um, they were using at the Olympics right now or this past Olympics but yeah so I went down I tried it I crashed a couple times <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it is something I am looking into just because um, with the new event of monobob, the weight limit is actually higher, and I my body stature actually fits really well with the weight limit. Um, but with piloting, it there's different roles and responsibilities that I basically have to decide if that's something I want to take on. Um,
4: so yeah, do you know if De Bruin is going to be back for the next Olympics?
1: I, I'm not sure. Um, I'm sure Canada would really love to have her back, but I'm not sure.
4: I think she'll be like in her late 30s by then. So hey, you might have an opening yeah. there.
1: <laughs> there's uh, there's a lot of women and, and guys who come back and they're like well into their 30s. And yeah, sure so it's it possible. It's, you know, whatever she wants, Canada will, you know, lovingly accept her.
2: So just tell me what's your most memorable uh, performance or or race that you were in?
1: I guess it's an easy cop out, but I guess like going to the Olympics was pretty cool. Um, but my, my very first World Cup was actually with Christine De Bruin, and it was very special um, because like I was just, you know, I, you kind of get in Bob said you learn, like it's kind of like you either sink or you swim. Like, and I was kind of put in a situation where it was like, okay, we need you to go and perform with Christine and because uh, her regular break woman um, got kind of I, I would say like got screwed over by COVID and so she ended up getting stuck um, so they looked at me and they said you're Christine Spare you need to step up to the plate um, and it was great I, I can't remember what we pushed to be honest uh, but uh, we got fourth place in my very first World Cup which is like very very spe- special and I think a super great result and that of course like was Christine's driving like she took our push and she you know kept that and I think gained on that so that was a very special performance as well like a great opener to the World Cup scene.
0: Well thank you Sarah so much for joining us tonight. Always thank great you for to have having Olympians me. On. Yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah thank you. We, we look forward to uh, seeing you there in Italy in 2026. Seeing, seeing now what Canada can do, even though we'll be rooting for USA, but we'll be
1: rooting for you too. <laughs> of course. So. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I
0: want remind everybody, hit that subscribe button. I want to thank you for watching. We'll see you next time. Everyone have a great night.